Here at the beginning, I want to set the table for our uh, prayer service today, and uh, not only for our prayer service, but also for our week of prayer. This week, every second of this week, there will be a Bethelonian that will be in prayer, 24 hours, seven days of this week. Thank you to everybody that has signed up for that, and as a part of that, we hope that that is a, a blessing to you. Now, if you're here right now going, oh, I just never, I never signed up for that. I wish I should have got to that. Let me just say, just because you didn't sign up doesn't mean that this can't be for you a concerted week of prayer, and we would encourage you to uh, find special time, extra time this week, and to pray. And there are prayer guides in the commons that you can pick up that list all kinds of prayer requests, talk about how to pray for 30 minutes, uh, give some other helpful guides. So uh, please, please take advantage of that. Also, this week, 645, as a part of our week of prayer, we'll have our vertical prayer meeting right here in the auditorium. Love to have you be a part of this. Now, let's just answer the question, first of all, why? Why have a week of prayer? Why have a, uh, even this weekend a, a service like we're going to experience today? There are lots of biblical reasons for this, but I think E.M. Bounds, who wrote probably more on prayer than anybody else, nailed it when he said these words. When faith ceases to pray, it ceases to live. When faith ceases to pray, it ceases to live. Prayer for us is like, it's like oxygen, for my faith, it is oxygen. It give, it's life-giving. It brings to my heart and soul what I need. Now, let me give you a definition of prayer. It's very simple. Prayer is talking with my heavenly Father. Talking with my heavenly Father. It is not a way to get what I want. It is not a way to manipulate uh, the divine. It is about communicating with God. Now, if you are visiting here for the very first time, and let's just say you know nothing about prayer, nothing at all, you just came walking here, never heard of prayer, knew nothing about it, you're going to watch this service and you're going to be like, these, this is strange. These people talking to the air, you know, just speaking to the air. I think they're kind of nutcases. I don't know what I'm doing here. Now, Maybe it, I, th- I think it relates well to something that uh, perhaps you've seen. Have you ever been shopping and you're in some clothes area and you're looking through some things and there's somebody standing nearby by themselves and they are talking loudly and you like look at them and you're like, oh, what is going on with that? Those kind of weirdos are that. And then she like turns and you see the Bluetooth on the ear, right? And all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, I get it. She's talking to someone. Because if you're talking to someone, then it's completely acceptable, uh, you know, to be talking to the air. And that's the thing to know about prayer today. As we are talking, we are talking to someone. Prayer is talking to God, which makes it what it is. Prayer can seem a little bit different. It can seem religious, and we don't want to be religious today. We want to pray, to talk with our Heavenly Father, our divine Abba, divine Daddy, Romans 8 tells us. So when faith ceases to pray, it ceases to live. What does your faith need? What does my faith need here today? I need to to connect with my Creator. 
to worship him, to talk with him, to listen. That's faith. When faith ceases to breathe or pray, it ceases to live. And here at Bethel Church, guess what? We want to live, don't we? We want to live. We don't want to just go through some motion or be some little ritualistic spiritual organ. We want to live. We want to thrive. And this is why prayer must be a part of the body life of our church. And so that's one reason that we have this week of prayer is to, in a sense, to, to put the oxygen mask on our church and to get our oxygen levels back to where they need to be so that for the other 51 weeks of the year, we can operate healthy. And so we hope that that happens here this week. There are many biblical exhortations to prayer. Let me just run through some of them with you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Isaiah 55, 6. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Matthew 7, 7. I desire that in every place that men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. 1 Timothy 2, 8. Pray without ceasing. Be constant in prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then, of course, we have the example of Jesus Christ himself. And here's one verse in this, Luke five sixteen. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now, if the Son of God felt the need, felt the desire to go someplace and to pray, how much more should average Christians like you and me see the need that we have to go and to pray to our Heavenly Father? And then you think, of course, about uh, what happened in the temple. Remember when he went to the temple and he sees the money changers in the temple? Did he go, oh, no big deal. No, he he was incensed at that. And he said, he took the the tables, turned them over, and said, my father's house shall be a house of what? Of prayer. And you've made it into a den of robbers. They were making money. They were not making prayers. They 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 perverted what the whole thing was all about. And Jesus wanted to set that aright and did in a very physical and dramatic way. And what might he say about the church or even about our church if he was to come here? Would there be a sense, why don't you people pray? This is to be a place of prayer. And to call us to pray, his example certainly does. Now, the Bible talks about many postures in prayer, including these, standing, bowing down, kneeling, falling on the face, spreading forth the hands, lifting up the hands. And so today, during our service, here's what we're going to do. There will be a little... A little graphic. I think we have it. Maybe not. There will be a little graphic that will uh, come up and will be a suggested posture for prayer. Now, there you go. You don't, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. Um, and, you know, physically you may not be able to not dress for it or whatever. Balcony people, you might struggle with a little bit with some of these. But if you would like today, bow, kneel. Raise hands. Pray. That's what we want to do. Okay? So that'll just be a little suggestion there. The most important thing, though, is our heart posture. And here are some of the heart postures needed for prayer. 
We need to come in faith, in a forgiving spirit, with the whole heart, with submission to God, with humility, with desire to be answered, with boldness, with earnestness. So may these be our hearts, our heart uh, positions before God as we come to prayer. Our service is going to follow the the uh, prayer model of Acts. Maybe you've heard of this. A, adoration. C, confession. T, uh, thanksgiving. S, supplication. So we're just going to follow that. And the, uh, the screen will largely be our prayer prompter. And so that way we can just kind of let it flow. We don't have to have somebody come up and say, okay, now this is what we're going to do. It'll just be able to kind of flow naturally. And uh, also, during this service... If you are here and you have a specific prayer request that's on your heart, you can um, communicate that to us by texting this number, um, and we will, as we're able, just have it come up on the screen during the service. It'll come up, and then it'll go away, and that'll just be there as an opportunity during the service for us just to offer a little quick heart prayer for that person. And you can know that that's somebody sitting in this room uh, this room today. So normally we ask you, please turn off your cell phones. This will be a service a little different. You can leave them on as long as they are on vibrate. And if you forgot to do that, you might just want to do that right now, since this is a quieter kind of prayer service. Um, but, uh, if you would like to text in a prayer request, we will, uh, post those as we're able to. All right. You ready? Bethel, are you ready? Psalm 95, verse 6. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. I see a lot of tissues out right now. That's a sign of good ministry going on, I think. People caring for one another and feeling empathy for life situations. That's good. That's very good. Amen? Amen. So thank you for actively praying and really with that final supplication, our prayer time kind of comes to a conclusion. But I do want to spend a few moments now on just kind of send, send the church family on our way for this week of prayer with a biblical perspective on what, what we're doing here. So just a few minutes about praying. And I uh, want to share one thought. It's not original with me. Um, the Apostle Paul wrote it, but then he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So it's really the Holy Spirit's thought that we're, that we're going to just talk about and chew on a little bit. One of the trivia questions kids love is, what's the shortest verse in the Bible? And uh, in the English, it is Jesus wept. Many of you probably knew that. But in the Greek, actually, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 is the shortest verse in the whole Bible. And here it is. Pray without ceasing. Why don't you say that with me? Pray without ceasing. Now, somebody might ask you, what'd you do at church today? We memorized a whole verse of the Bible. 
You got it right there. That's a whole verse of the Bible. Pray without ceasing. What does it mean and why is it in the Bible? Well, the first thing that it definitely means is that it means that we are to pray. If you look at that verse and you, and you somehow think it, it means that we're not to pray, you did not do very good in English because it is clearly saying that we are to pray. The Bible does not call us to have more church potlucks. It doesn't call us to have more church committees. It doesn't call us to have more sort of church entertainment times. Over and over again, the New Testament calls us to pray. In fact, I don't know if you can find a letter that Paul wrote to a church where somewhere in the letter is, is uh, that there isn't an exhortation for the church to pray. And here we have another one, pray without ceasing. The New Testament is filled with these kinds of commands and exhortations. The irony of that, of course, is that for the average American kind of Christian, if you were to say, what is most absent in my daily walk with God? Most people would say it is prayer. In fact, you can probably humble any Christian by asking, is your prayer life where it should be? And none of us would think that that it is. So the thing that the Bible calls us to, perhaps more than anything else, is simultaneously the thing that is most largely absent in the average Christian experience. Why is that? I think I know why. It's hard. Prayer is hard. It requires mental activity. It requires a certain discipline in order to in order to in order to pull it off. It's hard to do. I don't know about you, but when I go to pray, like a thousand things come to my mind in that moment that I need to do that seem more important than praying. Or when I actually go to pray as I'm praying, a thousand things come to my mind that seem more important to think about in that moment than actually doing the prayer. A consistent prayer life is hard to do. In fact, some of you right now possibly can relate to this. If you were just even in this service sort of thinking to yourself, are we almost done? Like, how long is this going? I'm not sure that I can do this. That feeling comes to our hearts when we pray like nothing else. It is hard. In fact, this is a command. Pray without ceasing. And implicit in that is the fact that this is hard to do or he wouldn't have had to write the command, would he? There are no commands in the Bible that say, um, you know, sleep, eat, none of that. On a nice day like uh, yesterday, go enjoy the sun. Your mom never had to tell you, eat your dessert. But every mom has to say what? Eat your vegetables. Why do moms have to say that? Because the child doesn't naturally want to do what is most healthy for him or her. And prayer is like that. It's hard to do. And the reason that there is a command is like a mother telling the child to eat their vegetables. God knows what we need. And we need to pray. The command also means that it is easy to pray with ceasing. The command is to pray without ceasing, which means that it is naturally easy for us to pray with ceasing. Again, 
uh, uh, cue the question, how many of you maybe thought to yourself, how long is this going? Are we almost done yet? I have to confess to you that I've actually used pray with ceasing to my advantage. When I was a youth pastor, I, uh, you know, we do these retreats and these trips and, and so I'd end up having a cabin filled with overly caffeinated teenage boys that at one o'clock in the morning, I'm supposed to get down and quiet and get to sleep and all the rest. And if I don't, then in the morning they're all crabby. And so I, uh, was known to say, all right, everybody, let's all get in our bunks and, and let's just be quiet for a second and turn the lights out. And, and I would say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a time of prayer. And um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll open the floor for any teenage boy, any of you that would like to lead the rest of the cabin in prayer. Okay? Okay. So then I would pray. And I would pray the longest prayer (laughs) that I could possibly come up with. (laughs) I would pray every big theological word I knew. I would pray for every missionary in every country around the world. I would pray for this, that. I would just pray and pray and pray. And as I'm praying, I would hear, that's right. It is easy to pray with ceasing. Too often, though, that happens to us in the day-to-day of life. And here's what's happening. You know, when you go to pray and then you don't want to pray, when you think I should pray and inside, or there's a prayer meeting or something like that, and you think, ah, I don't think so, or there's other things I got to do. You know, that, that inward desire that rises that says, don't do it or do something else or something else is more important. What is that? The Bible says that even after salvation, Christians, we have a sin nature, the flesh, which is actively spiritually inside of us trying to thwart what God wants in our life and what is going to be most beneficial to us. And that's why these thoughts come, which is why the command is helpful and why we need it. Because we need something to push us over the edge or that inward fleshly desire not to will always win. Now, praying with ceasing doesn't mean that we're all the time praying, praying, always praying, verbally praying. When you drive home from the service today, drive, okay? Do not close your eyes. Do not pray. Drive. And when you're at work, you work hard and you do your work. But what it does mean is this. It means continuous fellowship with God. Again, don't think of prayer as me talking, God listening. If that's not going on, then I'm not praying. This is a relationship. We are in a relationship with God, with our Heavenly Father through Christ. And this relationship is not that different than normal relationships that we experience in life. For example, married couples, are you talking to one another all the time? No. <laughs> uh, no. Does, does that mean you're not married? No, you're married But this is a relationship. It is a long, ongoing conversation that you have in the day-to-day of life. Which means that it's never far from your mind. Here's something else that many of us probably can relate to. Uh, You ever had a a cough that won't go away? 
You know that feeling where you're, you're, even when you're not coughing, it's like almost there on the back of your throat. You're like on the verge of coughing all the time. That feeling. That is, this word that we have for ceasing is actually used in the Greek for that kind of nagging cough. That's just ongoing cough, constant kind of cough. Prayer is like that. I may not actually be praying, like I'm not actually coughing, but that prayer is never that far away. It is an ongoing kind of prayer life where I am fellowshipping through the day with my Heavenly Father, which means this. It just means think, it means thinking about God and bringing God into my day to day of life so that whatever you're doing, if you're a student, if you're a worker, if you're a mother, whatever, as you are living your day, you are bringing thoughts of God into that day and maybe offering little prayers about the meeting you're about to have or about the, uh, the parenting moment that you're about to have or about the fun thing that you're about to do and giving thanks or supplication or whatever. It's just kind of little prayers that you have this ongoing fellowship with God so that we don't begin our day without God, live our whole day like an atheist, and then when we go to pray, maybe pray at the, our bedside or something like that. That's not fellowshipping with God. It is a relationship where he's never that far away from us. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. So towards that end, I have a few helps to suggest to you. Number one, I've said this already, think relationship, not ritual. Not a ritual. He's a person. Talk to him. Secondly, I would encourage you to spend your best time of the day with God. Now, some people are morning people. Some people are evening people. I, myself, I am a morning person. So I wake up. I'm ready to go for the day. I, I, some of my best thinking is early in the morning, and, and I'm, I'm kind of getting going. I'm not tired. I'm mentally there. So I am a fan of praying in the morning. Sets the tone for the day, gets me vertical for the day. I commend morning prayers. But some of you, I know you, if you prayed in the morning by 10, you wouldn't remember what you said because you're just not there like this. So find out whatever your bio clock's best time is. Maybe it's noon. Maybe it's five. Maybe it is at night. Now, I don't get that at all because I cannot pray at my bedside. I cannot do it. I'm three sentences in and I'm asleep on my knees at my bedside. And so I don't know how some of you do it, but if that works for you, great. Just find the best time of the day. Give your best time of the day to God. Third is to pray like a child. Oh, that we would pray like children and less like Christians. I hate to say it that way, but what I mean by that is that if you, if you hear children pray it's wonderful. It really is. Because nobody has told them yet that they need to sound spiritual when they pray. So, like, here's a, here's a typical kid prayer. Dear God, thanks for mom, dad, sister who hit me today, my dog, thank you. Okay. Just totally real. You know, they're not, they're, you never hear a kid go, dearest heavenly father, thou art the high and holy one. <laughs> Thee, thou, you know, all these kind of words that make us sound spiritual, but we don't talk that way normally. And God, I think, sees through the sanctimony of our sort of God prayers. 
Would that we would pray like children. Be real with God. Now, some of us think that we got to put an act on for God and that somehow he'll, he, he won't see past it. Listen, he already knows. He knows what we're like. He knows the sin in our life. He knows the pain in our hearts. He knows all of those things. So why not be real with him? Who else do you have in your life, by the way, that knows you intimately and still loves you and wants to hear from you? Not very many. God is one of them. So come to him vulnerable. Come to him real. Offer yourself to him. Romans 8.15 tells us that we cry to him as our Abba, our divine daddy, our father. Because after all, we actually are children. We are children of God. And he bids us to come to him in that relationship. So think ritual. (laughs) Think relational, not ritual. Wow. Think relational, not ritual. Secondly, spend primary prayer time during the best time of your day. And then thirdly, pray honest like a child talking with their father. Because after all, that is exactly what prayer is. Talking with our Heavenly Father. Our good, loving, gracious Heavenly Father. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take our morning offering right now and to uh, worship him in this way and uh, sing a final song to conclude our service.